You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. Time for Silver and Black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas! We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get, get it, it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. You're with Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. We talk nothing but Las Vegas Raiders football. Mo Moten, Scott Golbranson, back with you here on our Thursday edition as we get closer to the Raiders getting back on the field this Sunday, coming off the bye week uh, as well. Do us a favor. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, we need you to do that. Please do that. Wherever you get your podcast, you can find us. It doesn't matter if you're on an Android phone or an iPhone. You listen to Apple Podcasts. You listen to Google Podcasts. You listen to Spotify. You're at home cooking eggs for breakfast, and you want to hear Mo opine about the offensive line. Just say, hey, Alexa, play Mo Moten avocado smoothie. No, play Silver and Black today, and we'll pop on there. So we appreciate you doing that. Mo Moten is a national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. He's also the Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten. I am at LV Gully. And Mo, we're going to jump right into the latest news. Of course, the guys got back to practice yesterday on Wednesday in Henderson in Las Vegas. Uh, and some some surprises, not so surprising surprises, pop up as the field rolled out onto practice. Uh, guess who wasn't there? Darren Waller was a DNP, as you read it off the report to me just before we went on the air, uh, with a hamstring. That hamstring that kept him out of the Kansas City game, that put him in street clothes after five snaps, he is not back at practice on Wednesday. We defended him for being down at the baseball game and bringing the Padres some luck uh, in that series, that is. And uh, now he's still out. How concerned should Raider Nation be? They're going to go ape. They already are. I've already seen it in the cesspool that is Twitter. I've seen it other places. I've heard it on talk shows. Mo. Darren Waller is is teetering in a place that I don't think any player wants them to be, let alone the coach and the uh, front office of the Raiders. If you're healthy enough to attend a baseball game with your reported girlfriend, you should be healthy enough 
to practice. No excuses. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, honestly speaking, I I kind of thought that Darren Waller would miss the first day of practice. Usually that first day of practice, if you're an injured player, is usually kind of a sit-out day if you have an injury. Some players get veterans rest. That wasn't the case with Darren Waller. Uh, he does have a hamstring injury. As you know, he didn't play in, that, in most of that Chiefs game. But Josh McDaniels did say that he was optimistic or hopeful that both Darren Waller and Foster Moreau will return this week. But he did say that wasn't a prediction. <laughs> so he's hopeful. Yep. But the good news on the flip side of this is that Foster Moreau did play. So if Darren Waller cannot, Foster Moreau can, is certainly capable of filling that starting tight end role. Yeah, get one of those guys back. I mean, they need them. They, they ran out of tight ends against the Kansas City Chiefs. But yeah, I, I think this this clearly is going to stoke the fires of those who are not happy with Darren Waller. And to your point, coming back, remember, they had the week off last week. They get in uh, on a Wednesday uh, yesterday to start practicing. And with a hamstring, you know, that that muscle in particular, when you're trying to come back from that, you have to be very careful, right? Because you don't want to re-aggravate it and make it worse. Because when you do that, it actually just extends the time to which it bothers you. And so you have to be really careful. And as we mentioned as they were signing him to a big contract extension, Mo, he's not exactly 24 years old, right? I mean, I know six years doesn't seem like that much, but he's over 30 and uh, age factors in recovery time just takes longer. One of my Twitter followers is going to make fun of me for saying this, but <laughs> Raiders fans aren't going to want to hear this, but. Yeah, that's right. Um, I love that little uh, meme <laughs> you put out with the, the, yeah. the Grecian statue. It was awesome. Uh-huh. Because I usually say that when I'm going to say something that Raiders fans aren't going to want to hear, but <laughs> Raiders fans aren't going to want to hear this, but they need to be patient with Darren Waller simply because look at Keenan Allen. Our yeah. Keenan Allen hurt his yeah. hamstring in the season opener against the Raiders. He tried to come back early. He re-aggravated that injury, and they had to hold him out for a couple more weeks. Now he's trying to work his way back to get on the field week seven, but as you said, those hamstring injuries, you have to be very, very careful with them because you can re-aggravate them, and then you've got a lot longer. So I know Raider fans are going to roll their eyes about this. But considering he, he has a legit injury, uh, you want him for the long haul, not just for a game against the Texans. No offense against the Texans, but you want him for the length of the season, and you have a capable backup. Right, and 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 the Raiders need to win the game. There's no question. Couldn't they roll with Foster Moreau if he's 100%? Yes. Yeah. There hasn't been any roster moves uh, from them to to grab another tight end, which tells you that they think – they think he's got a good shot of coming back, as Josh McDaniels talked about on Wednesday. Um, didn't predict it, but said that you know he felt good about it. And I think he watched that waiver wire. Now, they might have brought some guys in. We didn't hear any reports about that yet. Uh, so we'll see how that all uh, breaks out. Good news on the injury front, though, Mo, was uh, Anthony Averett back at practice, as was wide receiver DJ Turner, who, frankly, I forgot about until I saw that he was back off the injury report. Uh, but getting Averett back, especially with what's happened with uh, Nate Hobbs going on IR for the next four games, that's a big one. Uh, Josh McDaniels likes him. They brought him in because of his veteran leadership, because of how he played uh, in Baltimore. Uh, talk about that. If you're that defensive coaching staff, you're Patrick Graham's staff, feeling about, wow, you get this guy back. Um, and it's a break-in game a little bit, right? Because we talked about the te the Texans should not should not beat the Raiders should not I say should not and so the Raiders have an opportunity to get healthy get things on track against this team and that goes for Anthony Averett in the backfield too right if you remember back in the summer I, I was probably 
Anthony Averett's number one fan at oh, the you time. Were. I remember yes. talking a lot about him saying that I thought that he would actually surpass Rocky Sin for the starting spot. Now, Anthony mm-hmm. Averett broke his thumb in that first game, so he didn't have a chance to showcase what he's got on the field. But I think him coming back is huge, especially with Nate Hobbs going on IR with broken bones in his hand. You're going to need Anthony Averett unless you're going out to get another cornerback from another team. Of course, the trade deadline is not that far away, but Tavon Campbell's not going to step in and be a starter right away. I know the Raiders signed him, but as you said, they brought in Anthony Averett as an early signing for a reason. They obviously believe he can take on a big role. His first year as a starter with the Baltimore Ravens played very well. I believe he led the Ravens in interceptions with three last year, had double-digit pass breakups. So here's a guy that you can plug in immediately and he can give you a lot of snaps. So it's a huge boost for the Raiders' defense. No question on that one, my friend. Um, you look at the rest of this team, too, from a health perspective. Everything looks pretty good on offense. We saw Derek Carr on, I think it's his nephew's podcast, uh, having some fun talking about. Uh, people were mad about that, too, because you know you just lost to the Chiefs, and you're having a good time and laughing on a podcast when you should be home flogging yourself and crying in your beer or whatever you drink. So, uh, but, but clearly this team has had a good week off to decompress and, um, and to come back to work now on uh, yesterday, on Wednesday, and, and refocus. Um, when you look at what they have to put together and, and your column that you wrote up on SportsNot uh, and, and, and talked about the Raiders coming off and what they needed to do adjust, talk a little bit about that and what you're going to be looking for when this team hits the field Sunday to see if they are indeed making those adjustments and changes which can lead to second-half success. One of the main things I'm going to be looking at, and you joked about it earlier in the show, is the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I've said that you need the best five guys, and obviously Josh McDaniels doesn't agree with me because he's been playing <laughs> the best seven guys, and he's been rotating at right tackle. He's been moving guys around at guard, and I said in the column that if you want the best five guys to play at their at their optimal levels, you need some continuity because offensive line arguably is the, is the position that you need the most chemistry. You want five guys on the same, all on the same page. It's hard to get two, three guys on the same page on the field at the same time, let alone five. So I think with that, you need some continuity. Settle on your best five and come out with that against the Houston Texans and basically run with that throughout the remainder of the season, barring any injuries. I actually think as you pull it up that Thayer Mumford Jr. is going to play right tackle from start to finish against the Texans. I believe the Raiders have been kind of transitioning him to be that guy. And I think Jermaine Lunar being a journeyman or backup for most of his career is going to cycle out over to right guard. Now, I think he can move inside because he does have experience there. He played, he started there actually against the Tennessee Titans in week three. So this wouldn't be a new position for Jermaine Lunar to move uh, one spot over inside to the guard spot. So those are the two changes I see on the offensive line. Thayer Mumford playing full games as a full-time starter at right tackle. Jermaine Luminar moving inside the guard. Now, as you see up there, I have Amir Abdullah. Not a big part of the offense by any means because Josh Jacobs is the guy. and He has the hot hand right now. But I would like to see Amir Abdullah get more opportunities because, again, we know Josh Jacobs' history of getting banged up, getting nicked up. I know he's playing at a high level, so you don't want to take him off the field, but you got to give him a somewhat of a breather because you don't want to wear him mm. down too much because if he goes down, then your 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 running back room takes a big hit because Amir White hasn't got a lot of touches this year. So you want to make sure you pace Josh Jacobs, get Amir Abdullah out in the flat, get him some targets. I think he can help uh, that Raiders offense. Have, just give a different wrinkle to the, to the system. Gives defenses and defenders something else to consider. We talked about Anthony Averett. 
I think he could step in right away whenever he's ready. I know they opened the window for him to return. He was a full go at practice. Right away, he can step in and be your boundary corner. So I think that would be an important uh, addition if he's able to play. Cleveland Farrell. A lot of people um, have talked about Cleveland Farrell the past few days because he's been the subject of trade rumors. Jeremy Farrell of ESPN said that the Raiders have been looking to shed or get not get rid of, but looking to move Cleveland Farrell and Jonathan Abram. I actually think Jonathan Abram has more value because he's been on the field a lot more. Whereas Cleveland Farrell, after his rookie year, he has seen a diminished role. Every year he's taken fewer and fewer snaps. But I think in his limited role, he's actually played well. And we talked about this multiple times on the show. Uh, when you put him on the field, especially moving inside, he could generate some pressure and help Max Crosby and Chandler Jones because they need a compliment on the inside. Now, whether or not they trade him, I think is is irrelevant to the fact that they need to play him a little bit more because the Raiders do need some help on the interior of the defensive line. So he'll either generate enough trade value to get us a good deal or he'll be able to help your defense, which is struggling right now. Yeah, we talked about that on, on Tuesday's show, right? We talked about Clee Farrell and that whole defensive front actually being more aggressive, a lot more movement we saw against the Chiefs, which was incredibly encouraging, and, and, and that was in relation to the ends, too. Max Crosby continues to do what he does, but we saw Chandler Jones, especially in that first half, really have a good half. Mo, back to the Abdullah point you made in the piece up on Sports Knot um, uh, on, on Tuesday or Wednesday, excuse me, is is – that running back room, we've talked about this a couple of times over the last week, I think, but that running room, that James White role that we heard about him playing, that use of multiple back sets that we saw in New England from Josh McDaniels, it just hasn't happened. Would we Could, could we deduce that they'll go to that a little more, especially because Josh Jacobs is having a fine season, having a great season now that they're using him properly. But at the same time, he's broken down every season he's played for the Raiders and in the NFL. So you want to be able to spell him a little bit. Do you think we'll see that starting this week in Houston? I think our buddy, one of our emailers, Gary Harkenreader, brought this up with two uh, running back sets. Yes. And I, and I think I think the answer is yes simply because you're not going to give Josh Jacobs 300 touches. That's just never been the formula for him. Even going back to Alabama, he's always been kind of not in a committee, but he's always shared touches with another back, another back that's going to take some of the load off of him. So I think as the season goes on, as we get into the, the midpoint of the season, you're going to start to see more Zamir White, maybe Amir Abdullah. So far, it's been Brandon Bolden in that pass catch role. Brandon Bolden has eight catches for 53 yards and a touchdown. Amir Abdullah has one catch for 23 yards. Uh, I would think that the younger running back, I mean, Amir Abdullah is 29, Brandon Bowen is 32, is only three years, but I would think that the younger running back, who supposedly has more juice, would get more targets. So I'm interested to see if they mix him in a little bit more and, of course, spell Josh Jacobs with Zamir White because, as we've said all along, the Raiders have a talented running back room. Now, I will say Josh McDaniels just started to involve his running game to the, to the satisfaction of a lot of people who felt that he was underutilizing Josh Jacobs even. So yeah. he has just started getting on the bandwagon with Josh Jacobs. Maybe he starts mixing it in with the backups a little bit after the bye. Yeah, and I, th- I think, too, with, with the situation at tight end where you don't know on Darren Waller, even if Darren Waller comes back, is he 100%? If Foster Moreau comes back, is he 100%? I think you got to start leaning on those backs to be patch, pass catchers, which is part of the point you made in the Abdullah portion of your column. And to me... That's a great opportunity as well. Uh, obviously, the 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 opportunity for 
car to throw the ball out quickly to a back coming out of the backfield on some of those routes gives them the time also makes up for the deficiency on the offensive line, right? That's one of the ways you can scheme for that. So I certainly hope that they uh, look at doing that against Houston this week. All right, we're up against our first break. Uh, by the way, let me run down. Coming up in the next segment, we'll have a special guest, Sam Gordon, who covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal, will be our guest. We're going to talk about his column this week, which no one's, I shouldn't say no one, some people have not talked about, and I'm shocked by it because it's the only column I've read coming out of Las Vegas that's pretty critical of Josh McDaniel. So we're going to talk to him about that and what he had to say. And then in the third segment, we will talk about the Houston Texans and what the Raiders need to do to come out of that at two and four. Uh, he is Mo Moten. I am Scott Colbranson. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, whether you're listening to us on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas or on our Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for being back with us as well. We have a special guest coming up joining Mo and I. Here is Las Vegas Review Journal writer Sam Gordon, and Sam covers the Raiders, and he's out there most days, as well as doing some other stuff there, including My Old World of Boxing, which I know you cover as well, uh, and other things. So, Sam, thanks for joining us here on Silver and Black today. I appreciate you guys having me. How's everything going? It, it's going good, man. You know, I mean, I think Raider Nation would feel a lot better uh, if they were 4-1, and one, and that's why we want to talk to you about your column, because... I, I was, you know, Mo and I have talked about uh, Josh McDaniels and the team he inherited kind of expectations. Look, going into the season, the expectations for this team were much higher. You're coming off a playoff run. I don't care how you got in the playoffs. You got in the playoffs. Uh, they do the coaching change. They have additions on defense. They have Devontae Adams on offense, Chandler Jones on defense. You sign guys to long-term deals. You're in a win-now mode. Josh McDaniels comes out. They start one and four, and your piece, which I'm going to show up on the screen here too in just a second, um, talks about it and says, hey, there's no time for a honeymoon for Josh McDaniels. And one of the things you talk about is, you know, four, five games, the team has held the lead and given it back, right? It's not performed well, it has not finished well. But in writing this and talking about this lack of a honeymoon, 
Talk about the expectations and talk about the mood there, too. When you're in the building out in Henderson and you're around this team, do you get a sense that there's any pressure and that McDaniels understands that that there is no honeymoon? Yeah, great question. Um, I think when the coaching change happened, right, there was one of two ways coaching and general manager changes happened. There was one of two ways that this team could have gone. They could have looked at it as a hard reset, going to rebuild, you know, trade away. Um, best players, you know, really start over, draft a quarterback or prepare to draft a quarterback next year, um, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and do that. Um, obviously, with the 10-7 and 7 season last year and taking the Cincinnati Bengals, you know, uh, a couple plays away from potentially beating them on the road, uh, I don't – that's not the route I would have gone. I thought I, – I, I didn't have a problem with being aggressive and going out and, and trading for Devontae Adams and signing Chandler Jones. It makes sense. I mean, you were 10-7. and 7. You, Your playoff team with the roster you had last season – it's understandable why if your ownership, uh, if your your management, you think you're close and you want to push some chips in. Um, but with that said, that creates these expectations, right? And that the expectations were given that this was a playoff team last year. When you add a first team, perennial first team, all pro wide receiver, arguably the best in the game. When you add a, a perennial pro bowl pass rusher, that signals that you're not just trying to make the playoffs. Like you're trying to go on a deeper run. Um, what, what that means, I'm not sure, right? But you, that, that clearly... <laughs> There was uh, some dissatisfaction mm-hmm. uh, in going 10 and seven and, and losing in the first round. Um, with that said, right, from a talent perspective, what we've seen the first five games, like that's not the problem. The Raiders are right there from a talent perspective. Uh, but situational football has plagued this team all year. Struggles in the red zone on both ends, right? Defensively, offensively, that's situational football, right? Penalties, untimely penalties are one of the most penalized teams in the league. It feels like that's a conversation we have about the Raiders every single year. Um, there was a lot of discourse in training camp where, where guys are running laps and, you know, kind of the discipline that they were imposing on themselves. Hey, we're going to be a more disciplined football team. That hasn't happened, right? Like that, that just hasn't happened. So in, in, in kind of the finer points, they, they haven't executed. And as a result, they've blown leads. They've blown a couple huge leads. Uh, they, they haven't really figured out how to play with one. And, and you're one in four when you, again, you could easily be, you know, pick your record, right? I mean, you could say five and oh, you could say four and one, three and two, whatever. Anything's better than one and four. Um, except on five, of course. Um, so with that being said, right. Um, yeah, I think there's definitely some frustration. I think there's definitely some disappointment. You saw, I think Devontae Adams kind of epitomized how frustrated this team was on Monday night football. Right. Oh yeah. Um, then there's, this is a team that's doesn't, didn't expect to be one and four. I don't think they expected to be five and oh, but the, the expectation wasn't one and four. Now with that said, I just got back from practice, um, today. I was out at the facility today, Wednesday, first day back for, for from the bye in terms of a full practice and whatnot. And there did this seem to be some enthusiasm, some optimism, right? Because even though this thing is under been underwhelming so far for this franchise, there is a stretch. There is a runway here where look, now you can get some of those wins back. And, um, it, you know, it would have been nice to bank a few early for the Raiders so that, that this stretch stretch isn't so pressure packed, but this is a situation with that they're in and the schedule is favorable. And now you have an opportunity to see if you can put some things together. Uh, we'll see. Uh, there mm-hmm. certainly wasn't, Nobody was in their feelings. Nobody's down about this whole thing yet. But there's definitely an understanding that, look, if they don't pile up some wins quickly, this thing can go a lot more south than it already has. Piggybacking off your piece on the Las Vegas Review Journal, the honeymoon is definitely over on this show because we look like idiots. <laughs> we, we were singing the praises of Josh McDaniels. Oh, he's going to have these guys disciplined. They're running laps. They're really going to cut down, finally cut down penalties. As you said, penalties has been a big issue for the Raiders for years, and we finally thought it was going to change hasn't happened yet in the regular season but i wanted to ask you you're closer than us to the raiders right now and the players 
What have the players said about this slow start? Are, are they pointing to certain things that they need to do better? Are there certain things that you keyed on that maybe they need to do a lot better? Because I'm hearing a lot of people talk about practice and details. And I feel like if practice and details are a little off, that's something that you can nip in the butt right away. What have you been hearing? Yeah, similar similar discourse, right? Just about being a little bit more refined in practice, about being um, more consistent in, in those kinds of settings. I think, you know, uh, there was obviously some chance to reflect over, you know, over the course of the bye, right? And, and I think some of the talking points that emerged today were just some of the things we already talked about. Uh, red zone execution on both ends, um, cleaning up, you know, again, cleaning up penalties, and then the return game, right? Getting, you know, battle of field position. So many times um, the Raiders, you know, have to go a really long way or, or they're, they're setting themselves back um, with field position and whatnot. So, yeah, I, I think those are things that you feel like they can are, are fixable at this point in the season, um, but not without a sense of urgency, not without, mm. I mean, it, it sounds so cliche, but not without being more refined in practice, not without being a little bit more detail-oriented because the areas in, in which they're struggling, that's what it's about. It's, it's detail-oriented stuff. I mean, I think this team went up 17-0 on the road at Kansas City. Uh, they, they scored more points against the Chiefs than Buffalo did. I mean, the talent is there. We've seen that. And I, I think, to you know, the, the credit of the coaching staff, there's more balance on offense. They've been taking care of the football, right? Josh Jacobs is playing the best football of his career. You're starting to get Devontae Adams going, really going. Um, so there have been some positives. But without the kind of the finer points, the detailed stuff, uh, it doesn't really matter, you know, what you do during the first two quarters if you can't put away a lead. So, you know, those are – I think those are, you know, the talking points you've been hearing have certainly been some of the talking points – um, out here, uh, but yet yeah, there, there, there still remains a, a lot of optimism. And I think it's worth noting, right? The AFC West just isn't. I, I think we all kind of thought this yeah. would be such a great division. Like, <laughs> obviously, that's not the case. Um, yeah. Kansas City still really good. We know that, but the Chargers could easily be, you know, have even be two and what two and four, or you know, they they mm-hmm. haven't looked impressive at all. And Denver's a dumpster fire. So there are opportunities <laughs> because the division isn't necessarily what they thought it would be, what we thought it would be. Um, there are going to be opportunities, but yeah, it's going to start with refining some of the, some of the things that they've struggled with. And, you know, until, until Sunday, we're, we don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah. We talked about actually on yesterday's show, uh, Sam, about that very subject about how just, you know, the, everyone was talking about the AFC West being the best conference in the last 25 years, best division in the last 25 years. And it's completely disappointed except for the chiefs who actually people were down on the chiefs thinking, well, geez, they might be unseated finally. And there they stand at the top of the division. Still a couple of things too, from your column that really stuck out at me. And I'm big on this in general. And we've talked about it on the show too, which is this idea of excuses. So the Raiders sit dead last in red zone offense, still correct. Uh, and you, you mentioned a quote in there, from a press conference last week from from Derek Carr where he talks about, hey, it takes time for us to get on the same page. And, you know, we hear this all the time. We hear a lot of fans because we do a lot of interaction with fans in Raider Nation, Sam, and they are, well, he needs time. But then you look at Brian Dable in New York. You look at Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. Uh, why, what are they doing and how can they click so quickly and the Raiders don't? So that idea, and you, you underscore this throughout the column, right? No excuses. Um, do you feel sometimes like we do that there are maybe not overt excuses made, but you certainly like you see in cars comments, some around the way kind of excuses on why they're not performing? I mean, yeah, for sure. I think it, and it, it you know, it, it fits, it's, it creates kind of an easy talking point. It's an easy narrative. Yeah. You know, it's going to take some time and I get that. Right. I'm sure there's elements of that that are true. Like nobody, you know, they, they're not where they want to be in, in week seven. I, I buy that, but neither is any other team. Like you can still, win games while you continue to figure out 
your identity. I think when you take a look at Minnesota, right, one of the big things there, they're one of the least penalized teams in the league. The offense might not be what we thought it was going to be um, with Kevin O'Connell coming over from the Rams. Might not quite be that explosive. But Kirk Cousins is playing with a lot of confidence. Justin Jefferson's been awesome. And situationally, they've won a bunch of games, close games late, because they are good at situational football and they're not beating themselves with penalties and turnovers, right? In New York, you have a coaching staff with, I mean, I would say from a roster construction standpoint, not as good of a team as the Raiders, right? Like just personnel-wise, they don't have quite the same firepower. They have leaned into their strengths. Hey, Daniel Jones does this really well. Saquon Barkley does this really well. We are Great going point. to lean in this, lean into this, and then be really good situationally. Again, the Giants are thriving situationally. They're good in the red zone on both ends. They're able to finish drives. They're able to, you know, hold teams to field goals when they absolutely have to. Uh, and there, there's a real swagger and presence that they are playing with uh, for whatever reason. Again, that just hasn't happen with the Raiders so it's not in it's not against the rules to get a new coach and be really good right away like <laughs> every single year, you know a, a couple times it just hasn't clicked here um again certain things have the running games clicked Devontae Adams is, is getting open and you're figuring out how to get him going down the field uh, I think Max Crosby's having uh you know a defensive right light player of the year caliber season um he's been super disruptive but it just it, defensively they haven't put it together clearly one of the I guess one of the worst defenses in the league um, up to this point and then situationally um, they're just not any good so yeah it, it's going to take some time to get where you want to be but every team in the M NFL can say that and it's okay to win games while you're still acclimating your coaching staff it's okay to be good situationally <laughs> even though you have a new coach it's okay to not commit penalties and they just haven't been able to get out of their own way in that regard so Sam I don't want to put any words in your mouth but it sounds like to me you're saying the Raiders have underachieved despite all of the, the coach <laughs> regime shift with all the name brand players they had they should be better is that correct am I yeah yeah right? no, no question about it no question about it certainly at this point right like you know the best one in four team in the league they're better than their record yeah sure <laughs> but like that you don't get anything for that you don't get a trophy for being better than your record I, I think a lot of teams at this point probably contend that they're better than their record not just this year but every single season so, yeah, at this point, they, they've underachieved. Now, with that being said, again, there is going to be a stretch here where, where they're going to be expected. I think they should be expected, you know, both internally and externally to rattle off a few wins here. And then maybe you get back to 500. And given all the parity in the NFL, not just in the AFC West, mm -hmm. but around the NFL this year, maybe you're back in that playoff conversation by the end of November. I think that certainly needs to be the goal. I yeah. think that's certainly the approach that the Raiders want to take and with, with the sense of urgency. And I think that's that, again, given the schedule, and I, I kind of talked about that in the column a little bit, who they're playing, you have a real chance here to kind of make up some of those wins that, that you didn't get at the front end of the season. Um, the unfortunate part is they were right there in all those games, all four of those losses. They were right there. There are opportunities to win. You can bank up wins. Give yourself a little margin of error because we know how it goes, right? Like upsets have been happening all the time this year. Tampa Bay just got beat by the Steelers. Uh, the Jets just went into Lambeau and pounded the Packers. Like, yeah, it looks <laughs> like the Raiders should rattle off a bunch of these games, but who's to say? We don't know. There's There's been so much parity. It's really been really hard to kind of peg where been. they should be at. I just know from a talent perspective, from what I've seen, they should be better than one and four. They've definitely earned a sheet. Yep. Uh, real quick warning, lightning rock question coming up here. Um, speaking <laughs> of underachievers, Darren Waller has been a big subject on this show. Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, both not themselves, not the guys who we've accustomed to them to be as playmakers, but a lot more angst towards Darren Waller, even though they've both been in and out of lineup, both been hurt. A lot of people are questioning Darren Waller's commitment to the game. Now, you're closer. Again, you're closer than us. Are you seeing anything that says that indicates that Darren Waller is not all the way dialed in at practice or at meetings? Because a lot of people are asking, 
is Darren Waller all in and they're attaching it to some relations off the field and saying he's not the same guy. So could you please put those uh, rumors and that buzz to bed, please? Yeah, I, I don't think that's the case, right? <laughs> um, I, I think he, he had an, a hamstring injury in training camp and he didn't practice a ton. And I think there was kind of some speculation um, and I, I even thought, hey, maybe, you know, is he is this a negotiating tactic? Like, uh, I, you know, yeah, it's fair to wonder kind of given the situation. But it's also, look, he had a hamstring injury. He didn't practice. That's what the team said. That's what he consistently maintained. And then he injures his hamstring against the Chiefs and has, you know, probably given that he missed most of camp, uh, you're, you know, could, might be behind from a conditioning standpoint. You know, he didn't get the reps uh, that that some of the other guys got in the offense. So, yeah, I think it's clear, he, you know, there's there's reasons why he's fallen befall, behind the eight ball. Now, of course, he's been a little bit more physical, visible publicly here, and, and that's going to naturally lend itself to those kind of questions. Is, is he not allowed mm-hmm. to enjoy his life off the football field? Like, <laughs> Apparently not, you know, Sam. No. <laughs> like, no, he's, I think he's allowed to have a life. I don't have any, <laughs> any issues with that. I don't think that necessarily reflects, you know, poorly on his commitment. I think this right. is a guy that we've seen put up, you know, 1,000-yard tight end, back-to-back thousand-yard seasons, pro bowler, and when he's healthy and right, one of the most unique skill position players in the league just because mm-hmm. of his size and speed and what he can, you know, pose for defenses. Now, Raider fans, yeah, they haven't seen that. We haven't seen that at all at any point this season. That doesn't mean it's not there. I think the focus for the Raiders needs to be on getting him right. You know, you still have enough offense. I think, you what are they, sixth or seventh in, in points score? The average point like 25 score. points yeah. per game, right? They're still up there. You still have enough offense without a healthy Darren Waller. The focus should be on getting him right and then seeing what he can do. There's there's no doubt the season's been been absolutely disappointing um, from, from his standpoint. There's no, there's no question about that, but I, I don't think it has anything to do with his his commitment to football. I think this is a guy that's proven what he can do, and sometimes, for whatever reason, players are banged up. They don't get on track. He's not the first guy to go through this, and yeah. there's still plenty of time to get it turned around. But getting him healthy um, has to be a priority because if this team wants to maximize its potential, he, of course, is going to be a huge part of that. But Sam, don't you know that the pitchfork mob on Twitter uh, believes Kelsey Plum is evil and has corrupted Darren Waller? I mean, how, how could you not think that? It's 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 crazy that uh, and and we and Mo and I on this show, Sam, always say, okay, what what do you do as a job? You might be a janitor, a truck driver, a doctor. Do you not have a life outside your job? <laughs> so we've been defending him on that point, saying. Hey, the guy is having his life. He deserves his life, especially that guy who went through so much yeah. and really appreciates life a lot more than some do. So we we uh, we we defend him on that one for sure. But Sam, listen, we appreciate your work. We enjoy reading it. You can follow Sam uh, on Twitter at by Sam Gordon. We will also put as well his uh, column linked in the description on the podcast and on the YouTube page as well. Sam, we appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you down the road. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate you having me on the show. Talk soon. All right, man. Thanks very much. All right. right, There you go. Sam Gordon from the Las Vegas Review Journal was our guest there. Great stuff. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we continue. We'll take a look at Sunday's game against the Texans. We'll give you a preview from David Stepanian and get on with the rest of the show. You're listening to Silver and Black today here on 98.5 The Fan, also on an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the home stretch. That's right, segment number three. Thanks to our Odyssey original podcast audience, if you're listening to us there, or if you're listening to us on the Bet 1140 in Las Vegas or 98.5 The Fan on Sunday morning, we appreciate you guys being with us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you get a chance. We are talking this segment about uh, Sunday's game for the Raiders against the Texans down at Allegiant Stadium. We hope you're down there and listening to us or on your way to the game, if you are, great. If not, if you're on your Thursday commute, uh, we want to start off with a new feature we're going to have each show, and that is from our producer and correspondent, David Stepanian, who takes a look at the game ahead, the Raiders and the Texans. Here's David Stepanian. The bye week has ended and the Raiders get ready to play at home for the first time in three weeks as the Houston Texans come to town after a bye week of their own. Houston picked up its first win of the season in their last outing at Jacksonville, whereas the Silver and Black experienced heartbreak in a thriller that went down to the wire at Arrowhead. With the Raiders at 1-4, the bye week came at a crucial time and coach Josh McDaniels knows this. This is a marathon, you know, I mean, if it was a sprint, we lost the sprint, you know, but unfortunately, um, that's not what it is, you know, fortunate for us, it's a, it's a marathon. And so um, we understand, you know, what, you know, what these games mean and they each matter. Um, they're each significant at the end of your season. You know, we know that uh, they, they add up, but I think the thing we have to focus on is, is take the positives and then also try to learn from the things that we're not quite doing well enough. Um, that's our job. That's what we're going to continue to do. That's what we've done after we won. That's what we've, what we've done after we lost. And we're going to continue to do that. And there's progress, you know, that we've made. And, you know, like I said, that's a good football team out there. And, you know, we're, we're right there at the end. Um, we have to learn how to be able to finish some of those games. That's what we have to do. And uh, that's my job. In their last game against KC, Derek Carr threw for 241 yards with two TDs, and Josh Jacobs had another career day with 154 yards rushing and 39 yards receiving. Offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi knows Josh Jacobs having a big day will be key to a Raider W. Yeah, Josh has done a great job, um, you know, in terms of accepting his role and obviously playing well in his role. Um, You know, obviously he's... You know, played a little bit more on third down this past week against Kansas City, um, and that's a tribute to him in terms of knowing the protection, knowing the run schemes, and knowing the passing game. Um, so he's just a guy who's really kind of, I would say, taking his assignments and kind of growing forward from there. And just like the offensive line, showing consistency in practice. And obviously we have to try and get him the ball in terms of calling runs and you know, however the game goes, that's how it's going to play out. But, you know, he's taking advantage of the opportunities. And it's just like anything else. So you, you hand Josh Jacobs the ball, and he does a good job reading the run, reads it the right way, stays true, follows Jacques, you know, follows the tackles block, follows the guard block. Then, hey, you know what? He's done a good job, and he's taking care of the football. I think that's the main thing that we, we would like to see from a running back or anybody who carries the football. You know, are they taking care of it? You know, is the ball coming out? We preach ball security at nauseum here because it's important to win games. And he's done a great job of that. 
Um, he's been trying to improve that because that's something he that was a big offseason goal for him and playing the season. So he's proven that he can get positive yards. He can stay true to his assignment. He can take care of the football. And any player that really does that, then they're going to play. Sunday's matchup will be the first time these teams have faced off since 2019 with Houston winning three of their last four against the Raiders. The home team is a seven-point favorite and kickoff is set for 1 p.m. Pacific. For Silver and Black Today, I'm David Stepanian. You do. You have to win some football games. And speaking of winning football games, Mo, coming up on Sunday, the Raiders uh, host the Dallas, excuse me, the Houston Texans. The Dallas Texans are now the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Houston Texans and uh, in a game that that looks favorable for this team to get healthy and to get back on the winning track. But you look at it, uh, the Raiders keys to victory, I think, are the keys to victory they've had all season long, which is let's play four quarters of football. This offense, not knowing what pieces are going to be ready for Sunday, uh, the defense with some of the injuries there, getting Anthony Averett back, losing Nate Hobbs, uh, seeing better play from the defensive line. Two things you need to see, Mo, to say, hey, this team is going to come out of the game at Allegiant Stadium at a two and four. I need to see what I saw coming going into the bye, which was a lot of Josh Jacobs. I believe the Houston Texans have allowed the third most rushing yards league wide. Continue to feed Josh Jacobs and those running backs and attack the Texans uh, defensive front uh, because they're actually pretty decent at defending pass. I know they give up a lot of yards, but they drafted Stingley at the top of the draft. I believe he was the third overall pick. Uh, Petrie is their safety. He's opportunistic type of ball hawking safety could be one. But I, I would just run the ball against the Texans, force them to stop that. And if, if they can't stop it, just keep feeding Jacobs. The other thing you got to see is, and I just not to cut you off, but one of those cornerbacks opposite Rocky Hudson has to step up. I, I know Brandon Cooks isn't putting up big numbers. Nico Collins, decent, uh, but not. But he hasn't found the end zone yet. You cannot allow Davis Mills to look like the next coming of Peyton Manning out there. You have to make sure that you win the game and you win it decisively. Now, people say a win is a win, but if you're going to go on a run, you have to beat the Texans, who are maybe one of the bottom three teams in the league, and you have to beat them decisively if you want a legitimate shot looking at it saying okay we are a playoff caliber football team and you talked about using the run game do do they go more heavily in that direction with this game knowing who they're facing holding back or or do you need to get into a rhythm like i believe you need to get in a rhythm on offense you need to use the full complement like you were playing the chiefs again or whoever you need to kind of see what you have continue to build on this team getting comfortable and understanding that scheme no, absolutely. There's no holding back. It's now or never. If you lose against the Texans, <laughs> as I said on the previous show, you might as well start selling assets at one and five because yeah. that playoff berth is not going to happen at that point. So you you empty the gamut and you go full throttle and, you know, throw the ball, run the ball, mix it up, balance. As we as I said before, the, the bye, the Raiders were pretty balanced offense. Now, still has some stretches where they stalled, didn't get a lot of possessions because the defense couldn't get off the field. But once you have those possessions, you got to make them count. Is there any anything about that Houston Texans team that that concerns you when you look at the matchup with the Raiders, especially when you look at an offense in Houston, which has not done a lot, but a Raiders defense, which plays really well at times, but just can't play four quarters and remains inconsistent? The Houston Texans, as I look at my notes, the Houston mm -hmm. Texans are 10th in red zone offense. That worries me because that means that once they get inside the 20, they finish drives with touchdowns. They have an impressive fourth round rookie running back 
and Damian Pierce, who I talked about on, on another show, and maybe this show, that I think that he's going to be a playmaker, and he's been one. So once they get in, they, they make the most of their opportunities. The Raiders, one of the worst red zone defenses in the league in terms of allowing touchdowns. They have to fix it up. I believe Patrick Graham talked about it, and he looked over the first five games, and he's going to have to make some changes because the Texas team, don't take them. I know they won three and one, but don't take them lightly. Yeah, Raiders still near last or last in the league in red zone offense uh, on the opposite side of that. And that exactly scared me, too, because, look, uh, you get into the red zone and and Lovey Smith's team is is scoring points. It's it's why they roll into the game with a better record, right, and technically a better record than the Raiders. Uh, and so you look at the matchups, and that's what concerns me on the defense. But it also looks to me as an opportunity for this Raiders defense to say, okay, we know where they're going to be a challenge. Let's batten down the hatches. Let's prevent them from being successful in that red zone, gain some confidence. I think this team, no matter what they say at the press conferences, I think this team needs a win more than anything, just from a confidence perspective. They got to know all the hard work that they're putting in, coming off the bye, coming off a break. They need to know that what they're doing is working. They need to know their new leader, frankly, is guiding them in the right direction. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. And I think it's now, of course, I feel like the defense more so than the offense. Now the offense has its own problems with continuity and dry spells at certain points, but we expected the defense to be a lot better. I know they don't have yeah. a bunch of stars outside of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, and that's why we've been campaigning for them to sign a guy like Dominican Sue and other guys uh, during free agency, but we expected a lot better out of Patrick Graham because his red zone defense is a lot better with the Giants, and that hasn't translated. I know it's a different roster, different personnel, mm-hmm. but if you're confident in the guys that you got, that you're not getting some of these names that we mentioned, uh, something's happened where you're not coaching them up to the point. The guys are not executing. It's not translating. What I did hear though, and I continuously hear this and I don't know why this is, but he talked about practice and that stands out because he, Derek Carr has talked about this. Oh, it has to translate from the practice field to the game. And I'm one. And again, I'm wondering what is going on at practice or what is not going on at practice that you guys aren't carrying it over to the actual football game. So that, that right. concerns me a little bit. It does. It's interesting because, uh, you know, in talking with Sam earlier as well around some of the issues in Josh McDaniel and his style, uh, it does seem odd that it keeps coming up, especially. And, and I don't know, is, is, is it, is it guys, are they, are they calling out players without calling them out? Meaning they're not at the stage yet where they're going to name names, but they are sending a signal that, Hey, you know who you are. You're not bringing it when you need to bring it. If that's the case, then sit them down. I mean, I, now if it's a big name, I understand that presents a big problem. Uh, but, but you got to do it at some point, right? There has to be accountability. And if the accountability doesn't equal playing time, what then what do you do? I don't want to start any rumors on the show, but I would keep an <laughs> eye on the inactive list before kickoffs. Ah, Who, yes. Who's a healthy scratch that normally isn't a healthy scratch? Maybe that player isn't with the program. Maybe that player didn't yeah. put enough in during the week of practice. Again, I'm not yep. going to mention any names, but there have been some names that John have been Simpson? healthy scratches that, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he's we, we know he's, he's buried, but, right. and I don't know what the case is with him. It may not be practice, just maybe a poor fit for the coaching mm-hmm. staff and their scheme, but, I'm just saying, keep an eye on the healthy scratch list. Keep an eye on the inactive list before these kickoffs, and I think you get a clue of who's not all the way dialed in. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. It is, it is it, healthy scratches are always 
indicative of something, right? Whether you're, if you're loaded at a position, you kind of understand it. If it's a younger guy or he's breaking in, but overall you see some of the veterans, you see some of the names pop in, you're like, whoa. Um, and that always comes up obviously Sunday before kickoff and uh, can be a surprise and, and light Twitter on on fire as well. <laughs> All right, Mo, I'm, we're, we're getting close to the end of the show. Also want to make sure that uh, we thank our listeners on 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas who are listening to the show on Sunday morning, as well as the Bet 1140 for the Night Owls who are hearing us at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 a.m. Eastern time as they wait in line or get ready to put down their bets for this game and for other games as well. But Mo, I like the Raiders 30 to 20 in this game. I think they win by more than a touchdown. And I think the offense gets on track with Waller or without Waller. And I think that defense will give up points, but I think the offense has the opportunity to lead the way here. Uh, as long as the defense can, you know, keep, keep the Texans in check at time. How do you see it netting out with this, uh, with this one? I promise we didn't plan this, everyone. I dropped an article <laughs> on Thursday, and I actually predicted that the Raiders would win thirty to twenty-one. Did you? So yes, I did. So I'm oh, right. See, with I haven't you. I haven't done my reading this morning yet. I, I I'm right with you, Scott. And my reasoning <laughs> was, if you can put up thirty-two points against the Denver Broncos defense, and I really yeah. like to say the Denver Broncos defense is overrated, but Denver Broncos defense is pretty good. Let's be yeah. honest, it is. If you can put up thirty-two on that defense you should be able to put up 30 or more on the Texans. And again, I think they should win handily. Now, win is a win, however you get it. The Raiders win by one point, it win by 30. It's, it still goes down as one win in the column. But sure I does. think they win. I think they win by nine points and they take care of business at home. There you go. We're only off by a point. All right, uh, my partner, have a good weekend covering the games. You'll be back on Tuesday. We'll be back on Sunday following the game for our post-game reaction with Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. Make sure you follow Mo at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That is a Bleacher Report as well, where you can read all his great stuff, including what he talked about just dropping this morning, uh, and on sportsnot.com as well, where he's a Raider columnist. Mo, enjoy your weekend. We will talk to you again on Tuesday. Absolutely. For, for Raiders slash Knicks fans out there, this is not a Brooklyn Nets hat. I just want to make that clear. It's just a Brooklyn just hat. Just a Brooklyn hat. Some people... Some people are Knicks fans like, whoa, is that Mo wearing a Brooklyn Nets hat? No, I did not switch over to the dark side. <laughs> Knicks fan through and through. I'm just repping my borough. That's all. There you go. Gotta love it. <laughs> there you go. That is Mo Moten. All right, folks, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We appreciate it. For those listeners on the radio, thanks. We'll be back next weekend again at 9 a.m. on 98.5. The Fan and Odyssey Station. This is also an Odyssey original podcast. Thank you guys all. Thanks again to Sam Gordon from the Review Journal for joining us. And Raider Nation, take care of one another. Enjoy the game today. We'll talk to you later tonight or on Sunday night, depending where you're listening to us, after the game with Murph from Raiders Fan Radio. Take care, everybody.